0: The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision.
1: My team, Kanda, Power.
0: I love the power. power. I love the power. power. Hey everyone, this is the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast live on Port Fan Radio. I am your host Maca 19 and joining me as always is Porsche.
1: Maca, look, I can tell you what. Over here in Melbourne, everyone's incredibly depressed for the South Melbourne Bloods losing this week. Um, really <laughs> awful,
0: terrible, terrible.
1: Yeah, yeah, really, really got everyone devastated around where I am for sure.
0: Oh, oh absolutely, torn yeah.
1: apart. You know, when a good Victorian club like that gets beaten on the day by a, a side that no one cares about, it's just really too awful.
0: It's it's not good, is it? It's no, not, and it's the... not right. It's just not cricket.
1: Nah, no, nah, it's definitely not cricket. Absolutely
0: definitely not. That's it. Mm. So, did you survive the weather? Did you have any uh, inclement weather?
1: Oh, a bit, yeah. a bit of rain?
0: A bit of rain, yeah.
1: Yeah, Great. yeah, you know. <laughs> that's all you guys had, right?
0: Although we just had no power for half a day, the whole state, but that's that's perfectly fine. That's what you do when you live in South Australia. I uh, gotta, we no, like I to slum s- it here, so...
1: Well, I mean, it's not going to compare, I mean, it probably does compare, I suppose, to the time that, was it, Victoria had the grand final and no gas. So nothing was hot. Was that was that the one? That was about fifteen years ago, I reckon.
0: Oh god, I can't remember that one. Mm.
1: There it's we a long go. time ago.
0: Yeah. Well, look, let's talk about the grand final and uh, the doggies. A eh? for the first time since nineteen fifty four, their premiers getting over the Swans by twenty two points. Uh, Portia, what did you think?
1: Um. Yeah, it, it's interesting, isn't it? Uh. uh I mean, the fact that the Swans, I think really the Swans to win, they had to blow them out early because in a close game, they're going to have the crowd, the umpires. Like we said that in the podcast last week, they're going to have the crowd, the umpires. Yes. Um, and they had both.
0: <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> <laughs> that they did. That they certainly did. Yeah, it was certainly a one-sided crowd. And uh, that umpiring was uh, certainly a little bit different, you have got to say.
1: Oh, well, actually, Tribey pointed out that it wasn't different because the um, Bulldogs had a positive free-kick differential in all of their finals, and the closest one was against Hawthorne. Um, yeah. Which is that, they the certainly uh, the play. umpire
0: certainly lived up to the fairy tale as well. But uh, oh, look, there, there was a few umpiring decisions which were just absolutely head-scratching. There was two um, uh, trips that should have been called for tunnelling, and uh, yep. Yep. yeah, they were probably the two really bad ones. But uh, yeah, well, look, I think it's a great thing for the dogs, their supporters. I mean, there'd be supporters of theirs in their fifties that haven't uh, experienced any success at all. So uh, for that, I think it's a great thing. And uh, look, the dogs. I mean, it wasn't that long ago where they were uh, they were struggling. You know, they um, they traded out the captain. Um, they didn't have a coach, um, and two years later, they're premiers.
1: Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, that's how I guess it works. Mm. <laughs> you know, you get, get getting new coaches and then you find one that works and then you go from there. And um, I guess really that that's entirely feasible that they'll drop down again. I don't know. I mean, they've got a good list. And, got a, uh, a good
0: list, but I don't. I'm not sure anyone really thought it was a premiership list at the start of the year. And uh, no. if you were to tell me at the start of the year that uh, Joel Hamling and uh, Fletcher Roberts would be leading the uh, defensive line of uh, of a premiership team, um, I probably would have laughed.
1: Yeah, and more than that, like I mean, when Geelong had their 2007 win, like you look at that side and you looked at it at the time, they had you know a fairly good number of credentialed players, and the Dogs do too. To yeah. be fair, but I don't know. This has come real early.
0: It has. It's got a real sort of Hawthorn 2008 ring to it. I think. Um, yeah. Sort of at the start of yeah. their uh, start of their uh, their premiership curve, I guess. And uh, well, they're not exactly chock full of first round draft picks either. I think they had five out there on the weekend, which is probably low in terms of premiership teams in the in the last decade or so. And you know, guys like Dalhouse and Pickin and. you know, Daniel and Dixon, uh, Johansson, the North Smith medalist, Morris Boyd, um, you know, they found a lot of value in late picks and, uh, and rookie picks.
1: Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I agree, but they've also have found a lot of value in, you know, paying top dollar for Tom Boyd too, so, you know. Sure.
0: And didn't that come off, uh, on the weekend? Yeah. I mean, well, that's probably his, uh, <laughs> his one decent game in his career so far, and, uh, you got to say that um, no matter what happens for the rest of his career, he's uh, he's probably earned his money.
1: Yeah, basically. I mean, I, it's really interesting when you remember these complaints from times of the past for, for clubs. So I remember in, with Collingwood when they were up the top of the ladder um, in the two thousands, uh, and you know they were, they were all they needed was a ruckman. Like that was the one thing they needed to put them over the edge when they were losing grand finals. There's a ruckman. Um, yeah. And then eventually when they got one, they got Darren Jolly and they got a premiership. And with the Bulldogs in that same in that same period, although I suppose more than 90s, the one thing they really, really needed was a proper key forward. And here we are, proper key forward, premiership. Yep. Um, it's really funny how these sides that have got these huge, huge holes that don't get filled for ages as soon as it's filled. Yeah, they look a lot better, don't they?
0: Mm. I think sometimes people can be a little bit too harsh on, uh, on young key forwards, uh, especially oh, sure. those drafted pretty high up the... Uh, High up the draft ladder, and I think Tom Hawkins probably went through the same thing as well. You know, his f- Jack first, uh, yeah, Jack Watts as well. Like Tom Hawkins, uh, first three or four years weren't anything all that special, and then come grand final day in uh, I think it was two thousand eleven, uh, he absolutely tore them to shreds, um, and that was his uh, that was his uh, his moment in the sun. And uh, got to say, it's the same thing about Tom Boyd. So um, if he has a pretty similar trajectory to Tom Hawkins, I think uh, the Dogs would be pretty happy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, he doesn't have to be the best, best, best forward in the game. But, you know, if he's somewhere in the top 10 for key forwards, then they're going to be pretty stoked, I'd reckon.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Were there any surprises out there? Were you surprised that the Dogs won?
1: No, I had money on the Dogs. Um, I did tip the Swans, but I had money on the Dogs, which I I suppose shows where (laughs) I was actually expecting the win to be. Um, Yeah. No, I wasn't too surprised by it. I guess the anything that's, I felt like after that GWS loss, you saw Longmire, and then that the games after that, like they played really hard football, like they really really yeah. wanted it, and it just felt like, it felt like on the grand final day, it felt like the Swans early on they seemed level, um, and the Dogs were kind of fluffing it, like um, Tom Boyd he had that really easy. A potential mark in the first minute. They just bounced straight away and that yeah. should have been a goal from that. You know, they were really nervous early on and I was like, waiting for the moment that the Swans were going to assert control and take the game away, but they didn't. Like, they didn't get that moment and maybe that what I was perceiving as them being cool and clear-headed was just them not wanting it enough. Um,
0: yeah.
1: So it's interesting.
0: Yeah, look, they, mm. I mean, they, they had their momentum swing. They kicked, what, four goals in about six minutes in the second yeah. quarter and yeah. really worked their way back into the game and, and got a got a lead up. And yeah, I guess at that time I thought, yeah, maybe the Swans might go away with it here a little bit and break out to a three or four goal lead. But it just didn't happen. And the Dogs always seem to have an answer.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, the Dogs, I guess the thing they did with the Swans is they just kept pushing and pushing, you know. Um, and if you, because they, they were running the play, With the Swans in their break, they were doing okay, and that was because the Dogs slacked off. But, I mean, I I think it'd be very hard to make a case that the the Dogs were not the team that wanted it more on the day. Like, they very clearly did, you know. um, And I don't mean the fans. I mean literally the players on the field. Yeah, no
0: doubt.
1: doubt. So I think that's really what kind of got them through it. Um, They didn't give Sydney enough time to sort of settle for the most part. Um, And that was really what got them over the line. For Apart sure. from the umpiring in the crowd.
0: Yeah, no <laughs> doubt. Um, I think uh, usually with premierships, it's usually your last sort of five or six players that are picked that when you're the grand final, if they stand up, your bench players and, and that sort of thing, if they stand up, then you're, you're a huge chance of winning. And that certainly happened with uh, with the Dogs. It didn't necessarily happen with Sydney on the day.
1: No.
0: Um, they had some disappointing players out there. Hewitt didn't really do much. McGlynn um, was disappointing. Um, mm. Xavier Richards was disappointing. Rowan barely had a touch. Um, I guess the one big surprise for me from Sydney was just how slow they looked out there.
1: Yeah, look, they didn't look real fast, did they? Uh, but I guess I don't know. Like you can, you can put, at the SCG, you can get away with having slower players, I reckon, because it's a smaller yeah. ground. Um, maybe that's just something that's gonna, always going to get exposed a little bit when they're away from there. They're not as, I mean, you know, if you think about fast Sydney players, there's not a lot of them there right now. Yeah. So that's real. I think that's just a fact of where their list is at. And that's probably what they'll be trying to target in recruitment. Um, Because it's the Swans, you'd have to expect they're probably going to try and trade it in. But who knows? They might draft it in.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess the big talking point uh, outside of the game itself was uh, Luke Beveridge giving away his premiership medal to uh, people's favourite Australian of the year, Bob Murphy. Um, What are your thoughts on that?
1: I think it was a brilliant idea um, <clears throat> because Beveridge has cemented himself as a Footscray legend for all time now. Yeah. Um, even if he ends up getting it given back to him by Rob Murphy or whatever else, you know, he's created that moment. Yeah. Um, and, you know, coach in his second year, there's still a slight disconnect with the fans, I'd say. Uh, you know, you're not entirely on board as you are with a, a coach that you've been with throughout a long ride. Uh, I mean, that's, that would be my personal feeling about it but the fact he's done that is sort of like that's instant legend status so yeah, yeah good move good on him
0: absolutely
1: <laughs> i mean there's there's the the more yeah, the you the less argue with it's, it's <laughs>
0: uh it's the right thing to do if you're luke beverage i think and uh yeah, nothing yeah. bad could possibly come from it
1: <laughs> no, no and you know he doesn't need a medal to know he's won a premiership He was the no. coach he wasn't some fringe player um yeah. he, he was the coach he was the guy at the head of it you know if it was i don't know like I bet Aaron Keating. For Aaron Keating, for example, his premiership medal is really important because if he doesn't have it, then no one's going to know. It, you
0: know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly right. Uh, Jason but, Johansson as a normal Smith yeah. medal was that a bit of a shock?
1: Um, no, not when you see him playing on the day. Um, I, and thought, it's, you, I, I didn't think he was that good. Well, I don't know that he is. I think he was just at the bottom of the the, the the depth chart, and he was the one that they let go free.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: you know, I don't think like oh, I don't. Well, he's think a great even,
0: player, but I thought. Oh, yeah, uh, but. He had a few really good runs, and then he burnt the kick about five or six times in a row. And I thought, um, I thought uh, either Pickin or Boyd were absolute Montes to to get that, uh, if not Kennedy from Sydney, if they went down that path. But uh, I don't know. It almost seemed like, uh oh, who got the most disposals? Oh, Johansson did. Let's uh, let's vote him three votes, sort of thing.
1: Well, it it's was more, a of, bit it's more of a
0: stat sheet award than uh, than watching the game, I think.
1: Oh, no, I reckon if you're an umpire, you see him running at pace through the midfield pretty readily. Um, He's got the distinctive haircut, you know. I I can totally understand why they picked him. makes Uh, a lot of sense. uh, uh,
0: Well, it's the same
1: reason why they picked Fire and Pickett in 2004 when you would probably make a case that Peter Burgoyne or Gavin Wanganen were better. Yeah. You know, because Pickett had the the more open play, so they noticed him.
0: No, that's fair enough. That is fair enough. Right, enough about that. Uh, yes. Any other news you want to talk about before we get on to the player reviews?
1: Um, I don't know. Is there?
0: <laughs> I think there is. Uh, you asked me a question on the forum. Why do I hate uh, Zach Clark? <laughs> That's
1: it's right. It's because he's terrible. Yeah, yeah. That's
0: why. All
1: right. So this is basically um, during the week it's come up that, you know, talking about potential right when to add to port. And look, I'm, we have opposite camps. I think Zach Clark is a, from Frio. If we could get him as a, or as a as an unrestricted free agent, which means you don't pay any compensation, nothing. There's nothing complicated about it. There's no trade required. You just pick up the player and pay him. Yeah. I think he's a good sla- second ruck slash SNFL ruckman to have on our list. Um, if we trade, or if slash when we trade out, lobby. Okay. I, and I don't understand why you. are... I mean, you're, you're pretty anti Zach Clark, Because normally, if someone says Oh, I like Zach Clark. You'll give reasons why you don't like him, but you're just like, nah, no, nothing. So that's interesting for me to hear you not give reasons for why you don't like a player, because that never happens. So I want to hear them.
0: Look, you are wrong and you should feel bad. for liking <laughs> yeah, exactly, Zach Clark. See? You should feel bad. Like that's I what feel you're bad doing. for you right now. It's uh, it's not good. I- no, look, the reasons why I don't like Zach Clark is because he's not a very good footballer. Quite simple. Um, he's not a good ruckman. He can't direct his taps. Uh, He's very Mm -hmm. weak Around the ground He doesn't Provide anything Up forward Um, So I don't Really see What point He would have uh, Being on our list Given that he's Going to be What 27 years old Um, I just don't see it At all I don't see Why we would Want to chase him And uh, I don't I'm not sure if we actually are or not, or if this is just um, sort of like supporter chatter, but uh, he would be is. so far down the list of uh, of wants for me that um, I'd be looking at someone like Bob McLean uh, before I go to Zach Clark.
1: Wow. Because, <laughs> I mean, I don't think he's... I, I think that he probably has more upside than Matt Lobby does, quite frankly, which is not saying a lot, you know.
0: Look, he's had his chance the last two years to cement yeah. himself as Fremantle's ruckman because Sandy's barely played a game in the last two years, sure, and he hasn't been able to do it. Like he's played more, um, he's yeah, played more waffle loving. game. He's played more waffle games in the last two years than he has AFL games, and yeah, I don't see loving. why. If he was twenty one, I would say fair enough. He's got improvement. There's scope for improvement, There's potential there, uh, but not when he's twenty seven.
1: Well. I'm just going to disagree because I reckon he's better around the ground, um, and I think he's probably got more potential to actually be a rockman than Lobby does. So, okay, that's cool.
0: Yeah, but I don't want like the choice for me isn't Clark or Lobby; it's neither. <laughs> no, <I> know, <laughs> that's, no, that's where I'm going with this. Se- like, I think we could find a, a younger player with more potential that can suit our list um, structure yeah. better than someone like Zach Clark. And look, if uh, if friend, Toby Ninkovic is friend. on the market, which I think he is. Then uh, that's free? exactly where I'd be looking
1: Because for me this is a for free thing That's what I really like about the Zach Clark thing Is that you don't have to give up a single thing You don't have to give up a fourth or a fifth or a sixth round draft pick You can use all your draft picks As you would normally So you don't have to give up any draft capital whatsoever to get him in So yeah, if you're looking at him up. as the last player on our list He's not bad
0: But you've got to give up a, a list spot And most likely <laughs> a decent sized contract to bring him over
1: Oh, I don't know. That has to be all that decent.
0: It, it would be more than what I would be prepared to pay.
1: Mm. And you're talking about a list spot. I mean, come on. This is Port Adelaide, where the, where list spots we think have no value. That's I'm, why I'm really surprised you
0: like him. To be honest, I'm I'm very surprised at that.
1: Wow. He doesn't
0: seem like a Porsche type of player. Yeah. Like to me, he is a poor man's Westhoff. Like in terms of, he's just laconic. Doesn't really do much. Drops marks. Yeah. He, Just frustrating to the max
1: Yeah, I don't know I reckon there's more there But okay, we'll move on
0: We will, we will And let's get on to our player reviews Which is titled The Usual Suspects And uh, believe it or not The first player on this is Justin Westhoff Hey, segue (laughs) Who is uh, 30 years old It's his 10th season at Port Adelaide He played 22 games this year Kicked 23 goals Averaged uh, 16.5 touches 5.5 marks And and 2.5 inside 50s a game Porsche how was the Hoff in two thousand and sixteen?
1: Anonymous, absolutely anonymous.
0: Yep, pretty <laughs> much, pretty much. It's, uh, there's not much to say about uh, what Justin Westhoff did. Like, I'm not the biggest fan of the Hoff as it is, but he has slowly regressed over the last couple of seasons, and uh, I don't understand. Well, the only reason why I would think he is a mainstay in the side at the moment is because of injury. That would be In
1: it. this season, he kicked a total of five goals against top eight sides. Yeah. <laughs> and he played yep. 22
0: games. <laughs> yeah, it's not good enough. It's not good no. enough at all. And this is a player that plays week in, week out, regardless yeah. of what happens.
1: Yeah, no, he's had, had... I mean, this is his worst year, right? This is his worst year, for sure.
0: This, this is his worst year since he became... A Any, uh, decent for, for player. What? So since probably 2011, this would be his worst year for sure. I
1: reckon he's, this is a worse year than it, his debut year would have been. Yeah, no, well, his debut like his, year
0: was really good. Like his yeah, couple right? years after that were pretty.
1: No, nah, even they ordinary. were better. Even statistically, they were better.
0: Hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah, check it out. Yeah,
0: look, I, I agree 100%. There, there were times in the year where he really should have been dropped. Like he should have been dropped against Geelong. He should have been dropped um, the game after Frio, But, uh, you know, he's still um, still in the side for some reason.
1: Justin Westhoff is why we don't have... This is me going to make the most unfair comment ever. Justin Westhoff <laughs> is why we don't have good key position forwards. And it's because his whole career he's taken up what is traditionally a development spot for young key position forwards by playing third-tall forward. That's that's it. That's the truth of it. Um, and because he's never been able to command an actual key position, mm. so if you bring a young guy in, they have to play a second-tall straight up. They can't get the feel of the game. like the, From day one, they have to be like a full-on player while Justin Westhoff sort of lopes around and does whatever. Um, that's... Been hugely damaging to our side. This is—he's yeah. he, right up there for me as a structurally terrible player. With um, Brett Ebert as a small marking forward um, as the focal point of our forward line, like he's in that category of—he's okay. He has some good points, but I would much prefer he was at another club so we could have a regular player development system in our forward line.
0: Yeah, mm. he doesn't push back far enough inside 50. Like, it's all well and good to be that sort of link-up player on the wing and on the flank, but, uh, you know, he really needs to push back and provide an option. And there were so many times this year where we would just blindly kick it to Dixon, and you just think, where the hell is Westhoff? Why isn't he up forward, you know, providing some sort of option as well?
1: Well, yeah, exactly. Why isn't he providing options? Like, usually when he provides options, he's only doing, like, 10-meter little sprint things um, when he feels like it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I,
0: that's, I, that stat is pretty damning. Like, only five goals against top eight sides. It's, yeah, right. Uh, that's not good at all.
1: No, no. I mean, he kicked twenty three for the year. We'll point out, but yeah, five against top eight sides, and three of those were North Melbourne. Um, yeah. so <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's he's, he's not good enough. It's just not good enough. And somehow, where did he finish our best and fairest Macca I'm sure you got that on hand. Um, oh,
0: about 10th or so, I
1: think. Yeah, right. So I don't know what's... I don't know. He must... Like, we talk about the Port Adelaide Football Club being a good bloke's club at times, and he must be the best bloke. He must be. He must He must go around and clean everyone's cars and tutor all their kids in doing maths or something like that. I don't know. He's got to have some, some, some trick or... I don't know. I don't
0: know. Yeah. No, he certainly wasn't at his best. Um, are we now seeing the end of Justin Westhoff and... Um, what would his best role be in uh, 2017?
1: Oh. Oh, well, look, we know what his best role is, and it's third tour forward, but we don't have one and two. Mm. Um, so we, well, we, if we look. had
0: more fruitful uh, key position forward stocks, would he still be a mainstay in the side? Like if we bring in a couple of ready-made forwards that can play round one next year, does he still get a go?
1: Oh, it really depends on who they are, you know, because as a third tour forward, that's the problem. That's why it's been such a structural problem for us is that he is a good third tour forward. Yeah. He won't be more than that. And so if you've got your two main slots filled, I can't think of many coaches out there that will bring in a, a young guy to replace Westhoff as the third tour forward yeah. unless they are taking a genuine long-term list view. Um, you know, as for as long as Westoff's on your list, he's going to make you 22 most likely. Um, and you're going to be worse for it as a a long-term concern. Short-term, you'll be better off, and that tells you a lot about the coach when they pick him. Um, But longer-term, it's not a great result for us, and particularly now at this point in his career.
0: Yeah. I do agree. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with Hoff next year. Um, I hope he's made a bit more accountable with his selection Mm. in the side. I'm not sure he will be, um, but we will wait and see.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I guess if we draft Todd Marshall like everyone's talking about, then you know he's a he's he's a bit Westoffish, isn't he? <laughs> maybe he'll come in and maybe West he maybe Westie will tutor him. That'd be no. great.
0: How wonderful! <laughs> <laughs> Can't you tell my excitement straight away? <laughs> that, that would be great. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna stop
1: being cynical now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's it. Look, from the sublime to the ridiculous. Uh, next player up is Matthew Lobey, uh yeah. 27 years old. Uh, Ninth season at Port Adelaide, played eight games for seven and a half disposals, one and a half marks and 29 hit-outs a game. He also played four SAFL games for one goal uh, total, um, nine disposals, two and a half marks and 30 hit-outs a game. Look,
1: his his averages are pretty good for a second ruck playing off the bench behind Patrick Ryder.
0: Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. (laughs) What went wrong for Matty in uh, 2016?
1: He's not up to it. I don't know, maybe maybe Greaves, we talked about Greaves, you know, uh, these being sort of changed into development rather than ruck and development, and we've got laid in. Maybe they think that it's just that he's been given bad direction on what to do, but he just doesn't. As far as his ruck work, he's okay at getting taps, but he's still pretty piss poor at directing it, and he's plays from yeah. behind too much. Yeah. But more damning than that is how his around-the-ground play, which has not improved, and in fact, it's probably almost as bad it's as regressed. it's ever been. It yeah.
0: wor- it's literally worse than it's been since his debut season. Yeah. And, um, yeah. his, uh, his averages are certainly career lows right across the board. Seven yep. and a half disposals a game. Like At his best in 2014, he was averaging ten and a half disposals and a couple of marks a game. He's, he's dropped sort of half a mark a game there. Um, his hit-out average hasn't really changed all that much. He's always been able to get his hands on the ball, mm. uh, but it's his ability to direct the taps uh, to teammates, which has always been uh, a struggle for Matty. So I'm not sure if it's a Matty Loby issue. I'm not <laughs> sure if it's a, a midfield setup issue, if it's a coaching issue. But whatever it is, it just has not worked for Matt Loby and it hasn't worked throughout his whole career. Yeah, um... Even at his best, in 2014, he was still a player that could not direct taps to his teammates.
1: No, I totally agree. Um, we saw Aaron, just while we're talking about Fremantle Ruckman still a little bit, um, Aaron Sandilands early in his career when he was getting lots of hit outs, he was exactly the same. And he was in a superior position to direct the play, but he just wasn't doing it. Um, and then eventually he got good at that. But Matthew Lobby, he's just never had, that, he's never had that development curve. He's never got good at it because he's never taken a dominant position in the Ruck contests. He's always playing behind. And when you're playing behind like he does pretty much every contest... Um, you know, you're not you're not putting yourself in a dominant position. So how are you ever going to have confidence to be able to direct it? Yeah. How is your, how are your teammates ever going to have any confidence that you're going to be able to direct it? Because they, you know, we talk about ruck work. Ruck work is body language. You know, uh, ruck, football is body language. Like you see why Trex and Trengo gets a better response from the midfield around you, and it's not just because. Uh, of Jackson Trengo but it's because of how he plays and how he approaches and you can see yeah. his ferocity and you can't see it with Matt Lobby mm. um, and that, that lifts players and that makes put them in that mindset that predator mindset that you just don't get when Matt Lobby's in there like oh I try not to make it a bad one um, so yeah
0: Look, I th- he's obviously a really nice guy he's, yeah. a, he's a nice ben, character yep. he was a vice yep. captain um, mm. it's, it's pretty clear he's well liked at the club but hugely yeah, but you've mentioned a few times you'd be happy never to see him play for Port Adelaide again. If yep. by chance we don't trade him this off-season, what role is he going to have next year? Because he's going to be a pretty expensive player playing in the SANFL.
1: Well, then he's an expensive player playing in the SANFL. And we, we, we sack our list manager or our, <laughs> or our football operations manager. That's what it comes down to. Got to carry mm. that can somewhere. Um that you can't have these situations like this. I posted during the week a clip of Hooley. if anyone's have watched Silicon Valley the show, yep uh, and Hooli is this monolithic <laughs> corporation that has terrible, terrible contract management, and unfortunately ours is looking like it right now, so yep. um check it out. it's quite funny slash um uh, horrible if you're thinking about it as being Port Adelaide
0: well if we could send Lobie to the roof, that'd be great,
1: yeah, exactly right. rest yeah. and invest.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Look, can he improve at all on what he's shown the last couple of years?
1: Yeah, look, he can. He could potentially improve, but the problem is what the improvement I might expect would be to do with his hit-outs, but I just don't think... Like, he spent too long being useless as an, as an around-the-ground player, so I just don't think he, I don't think he can get that back. Yeah. And I think that not only can he not get that back, but I think it would take too long for his teammates to trust him by going to him. I mean, we see every game, you know, the opposition don't care about him, and we don't put, run our play through him when he's alone. Um, and that's, that's that's a bigger problem than anything else he does yeah. is how he's clearly perceived by either the coaches and or the players um, in, in the, when he's playing in the game to avoid lobby. Um, that's, that's not good.
0: No, not at all. Uh, Dylan has said uh, Big Head is Westhoff.
1: <laughs> no, no, um, maybe. <laughs> I
0: would say that's a good call. That's a good call. Uh,
1: yeah, I don't know. I have to think about that.
0: Mm. Uh, John has asked the question Is Lobie's 2014 form overrated? Yes And I would think yes Absolutely yes He's never been a good tap ruckman But he did perform well uh, in 2014 But I think everybody's memory Well not everybody's But I think people's memory of 2014 Matty Lobie Is maybe clouded a little bit by the fact that He was our only ruckman that was fit so he had to pretty much play the entire season by himself because Redham was injured, didn't play a single game that year. Renouf did his knee, what, six games into the season. So he had to hold the fort. And he did a great job holding the fort, but he was never a dominant Ruckman in that nah. season. Um, which is it's probably why at the end of 2015 when Dills came in, um, we should have tried everything possible to get him to change his mind and, and actually move oh, clubs. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, it just feels like it feels like Port aren't being honest with their players. Yeah.
0: Um.
1: And I, I was reading something recently, and it, it's good if you just Google if you Google practices of bad managers, um, you'll see so many things that look like Port Adelaide right now, unfortunately. Um. And one of them is not being honest with, with your employees. Um. You know, because they can tell, they can tell something's up, and they don't know what it is, so it makes them panicky, and they don't know what to do, or they get the wrong idea of what you're trying to get them to do. Um. I don't know whether we're being honest with him, whether we, like we had the rumor, what was it going around at the start of last year that Lobby stayed on because Ken had promised that he and Ryder would become a rucking duo. Like, Why is that happening? You know? Um, Why are are these promises being made? I don't know. It doesn't make a lot of sense.
0: Yeah. Well, look, if it, I mean, it it didn't work in 2015. no. It didn't work at all. So, yeah. Oh, well, that's one that, uh, that we'll chalk Mm -hmm. up as a, a lost opportunity, you would have to say.
1: Yeah, another one. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right. Moving on. Next player is Hamish Hartlett. twenty-six years old, eighth season on the list. Played fifteen games for four goals, um, averaged uh, four tackles, sixteen disposals, two and a half rebounds, and two and a half inside fifties a game. A lot of a lot has been said of Hamish's year this year, um, and he will no doubt be the talk of the off season. Um, is it justified?
1: That we what is what justified that he's all the talk
0: of Hamish's year, the talk that we're trying to trade him out. He's on the market. Um, is it justified that he should be on the market?
1: Well, yeah, definitely. That's hard to complain about. He's a glorified halfback, and he's not playing well. Yeah, um, he's not like you know. We talk about glorified halfbacks, and I suppose if you want to talk about a, a highly rated halfback who we've seen on TV very recently, it's Rowan Smith from the Western Bulldogs. Um, but Hamish Hartlett's nowhere near what Ryan Smith was in that sort of role. Um, and so he's he's totally tradable. He's exactly tradable because if we if he didn't play a game next year, I don't think we'd notice.
0: It's a big call, but I think it's a fair call, that one. Mm.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, because
0: we've already got... But, like, if, I don't know. It, I mean, I think we well, all want to like Hamish more than... Like, the idea of Hamish Hartlett is is better than the actuality of Hamish Hartlett. At the oh, moment. very much. But, but statistically, well, he was right down across the board. And, look, well, this is a very simple way of looking at it. But uh, in games that he had more than 15 touches, we went 6-2. and two. In games he had under 15 touches, or 15 and under touches, we went 1-6. and six. So I'm going to ask the same question I asked of Polek uh, last week. Do we need Hammett to play well for the team to play well?
1: I think it's the reverse...
0: You think it's the reverse?
1: I don't think he's a driver for the most part. I think mm. he's a follow-on.
0: Okay. But you, you look at previous years as well, and it's it's kind of a similar story. Like, in 2015, his top five highest disposal games were all wins. In mm. 2014, mm. six of his top seven were wins as well. Like, it just seems that whenever he gets the ball, Port Adelaide wins.
1: Yeah, but we win without him.
0: Mm. Um, Not much.
1: No, well, he plays a lot, really. I look, I don't, I don't know. I just I think that when he's in the side and we're playing well, he has room to do what he wants to do, and he can play the exact role that is tailored to him exactly, um, where he gets a little bit of space. He can dink around with his kick and whatever else. And he can have a little bit of light contact here and there in midfield plays and things like that, but as soon as we're under the pump, it doesn't work anymore because yeah. he doesn't have that space all that time. Um and he has to go in hard or he has to be faster getting away from the pack so it can be an option he's not good at either of those. Um he's yeah, he's he's a a midweight midweight midfielder. Um that's what he is. And you know, it, in times of stress I don't know that the midweights always work out. They have to be really good. Does that make sense? I think it, it makes sense. It does make
0: sense. It does. It absolutely does. Um if he stays at port adelaide next year where does he need to improve and how can we get the best out of hamish hartley
1: i think there's two ways you look at look, how, how does you know how do we get the best out of hamish hartley do we mean for hamish or for port um well obviously
0: for, for port adelaide i couldn't care less about hamish hartley okay, i well, care about port adelaide and winning games
1: because if we are so hamish it's clearly to re, we recreate the the quarterback role that we made famous for peter burgoyne in his second last year or whatever it was, when he was just getting the ball given to him all the time and then he could do what he wanted with it. Um, But for Port, we've got to to throw him in there. We've got to get him to be more contested, you know? We've got to get him to either be more contested or become a genuine outside sprinter, and I don't know that he's got either of those in him. So, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know.
0: I'm not sure either. I still wouldn't mind seeing him play on a forward flank if if he stays... um... If we're not going to play him in the midfield or if he can't play in the midfield, then I think f- uh, forward flank's is probably uh, more the way to go than down back.
1: But has he got enough running in him to play that for constantly leading back and forward position? I mean, because I, I think we've got Montreux coming so. back as well, most likely. I think so. I don't think he'd compare to Montreux in that role. I reckon Montre's would be a better bet for that role than Hartlett. I
0: don't know, every time Hartlett plays up forward, he kicks a, kicks a few goals.
1: Yeah. That's cool. I, I prefer him as so a halfback where
0: he's <laughs> incredibly lazy, doesn't do much, doesn't get involved, and um, is not defensive minded at all.
1: Yeah, but again, we're, we're talking here if,
0: about if we're becoming that but, but one talking... that one pace as a football club where we need to play him in that old Peter Purgoyne role. Which is going to be very, very obvious for every opposition club, and they're just going to shut him down, because he is probably the easiest player on our list to shut down as well. Yeah, totally. It's not going to work.
1: Yeah, but also, you're talking about putting him in a half-forward, I mean, that's the same thing, that's getting back to making it a good role for Hamish Hartlett, rather than the good role for Port Adelaide, because we can fill that role. You know, we can fill that role. We, we I just said, Monfrey's coming back. I mean, he kicks a couple of goals in that position too. Um, we've got guys like Bonner we want to move in and we can move guys forward. Jarman Impey going more forward than having to spend any time in defence. Carl Amon, you know, potentially uh, getting better. Polek hopefully lifting his game and getting more hang of what's going on. Matt White may be coming back. Um, you know, there's lots of options that we can have for those roles um, and I don't know that Hartlett is clearly better than any of them. Mm-hmm. Um look Dylan said on the forum if you can't play in the midfield I'd trade now and I'm in that same boat
0: yeah well that's pretty much where I think a lot of poor supporters are at certainly myself mm. I think Rick agrees as well is that um, he should be on the trade table and hopefully we get uh, a pretty decent offer and I would certainly go bang with that. bang bang give us a draft thank yep, you very thanks. much Right, on to uh, Kane Mitchell, who is uh, 26 years old. It was his fourth season on the list. He played just the four games for 19 disposals, uh, almost four tackles and one and a half clearances a game. He also played 13 SANFL games, uh, kicked 13 goals and averaged 31 touches, six tackles and four inside 50s a game. Uh, We've spoken a lot about Kane Mitchell on the podcast throughout the season. Uh, We gave him a really good send-off on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, but... uh, as we know, Kane was always a player that got the best out of himself.
1: Yeah, look, an absolute try. There's no doubt. Um, There was a question asked, in not in the podcast thread, but I'll ask it now, which was, if you had a team of 22 Matthew Lobbies or a t- and a, versus a team of 22 Kane Mitchells, which team would win? Pretty clearly, it's the Kane oh, Mitchells.
0: Absolutely. Comfortably,
1: really really easily. Um, yeah.
0: yeah. Because yeah, Matty absolutely. Lobby can't take a mark under any sort of pressure. And they're, they're <laughs> no. How small? So I mean, They're, they're he, not he, taking he, marks around the ground, the Lobby team.
1: I mean, he'd probably win the tap, but then, you know... He'd he'd win the tap straight down to uh, Kane
0: Mitchell, so... Yeah, right. Exactly.
1: Um, They'd be gone from there, so that was a really unfair one. Um, I don't know. If if you asked me who would win a game between 22 Tom Logans and 22 Kane Mitchells, I think that'd be more interesting. Um, (gasps) That'd just
0: be Fight Club, basically.
1: It wouldn't be great. I'd watch that for sure. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's just UFC. That's all that is. John's asked a question on the forum... The uh, okay. is uh, is there anything else we could have tried with Mitchell?
1: No, I don't think so.
0: No nah. oh, like we tried a lot we played him as a as a like a half forward we played him as a outside midfielder we tried him in the center, didn't necessarily work we tried him as a tagger, didn't necessarily work either but we tried him everywhere and he gave the absolute best possible effort that he could have given and he played some absolute ripper games throughout his career for this footy club. In the, against really good opposition in some really important games. Uh, I think it was just his time to go.
1: Yeah, I, I guess if we're looking at maybe keeping around the club, he's got the tank in the mouth to be a really good runner, I'd reckon.
0: Yeah. Well, I think he's off to the waffle. Um, ah, makes sense. Yep. He, he said he wasn't going to play SNFL for any other club, and he's uh, mm. he's uh, he's kept his word there, and he's off to the waffle.
1: Well, that makes sense. Good on yeah.
0: him. good on him. He's going home, so yeah. good on him. Gonna miss a yeah. uh, good old danger, so that's uh yeah, it's a bit sad. But uh, anyway, moving on. Cameron O'Shea is the next player oh. on the list. Oh, Big Cam O'Sheazy, O'Sexy. Uh, 24 years old, sixth season on the list. Played 13 games for 13 disposals and two rebounds, and six one percenters a game. Played six SNFL games for 19 disposals and six marks a game. We are both fans of uh, Camo Sexy. How was his uh, 2016?
1: Unfortunately his career highlight was getting invited to the Brownlow by early wines. <laughs> just a bit. Yeah, no, he's um had a pretty up and down year. Um and a lot more down than up, unfortunately. Yeah. And um as much as I kept hoping he'd sort of pull out of that pattern from previous seasons, I mean he's done exactly the same thing except he sort of had a good patch in the middle instead of the end of the season. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. He, he sometimes he has these games where he just seems to see every play and it all works. And then there's a whole bunch where just nothing works.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, he's a very frustrating player in that regard. Mm, um, mm. Look, Honestly, after his diabolical game against Cullen, and it was diabolical, that I last was, quarter was yeah. horrific. Uh, I, th- I thought that was it. Like, we were, I thought Kenny was going to drag him into the rooms and say, you're finished, son. And that would be the last time we ever see him at AFL level. But he did get a game the next week. And he was actually yep. really, really good against West Coast. He Rose. was. He was really he good. kept Jack Darling really, really quiet. He played a yep. good sort of month of footy after that as well. Um, and then it kind of all sort of went a bit uh, negative for Cam again. Got dropped. Um, came back late in the year, but uh, the damage was done.
1: Yeah, pretty much. He had that little burst where he was really good, but it, oh, I don't know if it's that he have the focus or, or that he doesn't understand what the defence is supposed to be doing. I, I don't know what it is. It's hard to know. But he's had plenty of chances at port and it doesn't it he does not seem to be on any kind of upward curve. Yeah. Um, if anything he's slowly going downwards and so I think it's really just best for everyone if he finds another club. Yeah, he probably will. So. But yeah.
0: You mentioned his focus and that's an interesting point. Like he's he's played fantastic like really great footy in finals. Yep. Like his two final series when we made the finals were absolutely phenomenal. He was probably our best finals player in two thousand thirteen. He had a couple of really great years. Uh, but the last two years, he has really regressed, and the question has to be why. Like, why can he play so well in uh, really important games and regress so badly? Like, is he just another player that needs the team to play well to show his best?
1: Um, I think he's. I think we discussed it a long time ago, but I think he's a player that he needs to know exactly what his job is. And I don't think he's good at decisions where he has to choose between what he's going to do, like whether he's going to run back or he's going to man up or whatever yeah. else. Like I don't, I think those are the decisions he struggles with, whereas in finals, you usually go in like your you, coaches have you really pumped to do one exact job that they exactly want you to do. And when he's given those, like that Darling one is a perfect example, like your job, just shut down, Darling. Like that is 100% of what you got to do. If you can do something else, that's great. But if you can't, shut down, Darling. Like if those sorts of jobs, I mean that's – that's kind of that's a low grade job that you don't really want to be giving out of the coach, I would have thought because that's a very unversatile unversatile is that really a word um, It's a very yeah. unversatile sort of role. Um, I think it's in the same category as making someone a tagger in that, if you just make them responsible for one thing and then you're really kind of robbing your side of a lot of flexibility on the day, yeah. but in those roles, I think those are the roles where camochet has usually been pretty good um, when he doesn't have to decide between the things he's going to do. Uh, and I think that might be as much of it as anything. We talk about players having good decision-making, and I think that really you have to just say at this point, O'Shea doesn't have good decision-making.
0: No, his, de- his decision-making can be uh, probably the worst of anybody on the list when it's at its worst. Like, yeah, uh, similar yeah. like that Carlton game, his decision to handball behind himself when we had players free forward yeah. on him was uh, <laughs> something I will never, ever forget for the not, rest of my life, I don't think. Not, and. uh not. You mentioned his focus and all that sort of stuff and you do watch him play and you almost see the cogs ticking over in his head, especially when um, there's a bit of a turnover and he's got to make a decision of either sort of run forward of the play or go back and fill a hole and he just sort of seems to get lost on the field a bit too often.
1: Yep, yeah. He gets he gets lost when the, when the game is not following a plan. Yeah. Yeah. He's Absolutely. not a creative player, I think is what I'm saying
0: He should be, because he can be And that's where he's at his best Is when he is a, co- a creative player, I think
1: Yeah, I guess there are differentiating between Creative meaning making things up out of nowhere And creative being, you know, following a plan And making things happen for the downfield In accordance with that plan yeah. But different
0: Light Lobby, if he stays on the list what, uh, what sort of role is he going to have next year?
1: Um, pretty much at the Magpies, unless we get really bad injuries, or unless we trade out two or three halfbacks above him.
0: Yeah. You would think Bonner's taken his spot in the side for good now, you would hope.
1: Well, um, yeah, again, barring injury or something like that, then yeah, you'd have to say so. He can probably do what O'Shea does, and if he does as badly, then he's at least got some upside to him, so.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right, last player is Paul Stewart, who is uh, 29 years old, 10th season on the list. Paul Stewart, unbelievable. Uh, life played, member. <laughs> life member, that's it. Played 14 <laughs> games, averaged 11.5 uh, disposals, 3 marks, yeah. 2 rebounds, and 4.1% as a game. Also played 6 SANFL games, kick-to-goal averaged 19 touches and 6 marks a game. Uh, Porsche did it surprise you how much Paul played this year?
1: Um, I think that what happened was because he was on a rotation basically with Camoche, and I think that when he came in later in the year, he was given those really simple jobs I just talked about, um, where it's like just shut down this player, and if you can do something else, that's great, but don't worry about it. Yeah. Uh, I think he did a lot of that, a lot of that one-on-one contest where he doesn't have to, where we realise he's probably potentially our worst player in the side, and so we treat him like it. Um, and we don't give him anything too difficult. And I think he did all right with that. But yeah. again, that's not something you can basically take to the bank and say, let's keep him around. You know, that's that's, that's a really a short-term solution. Yeah. Um, honestly, he's one of those guys that wouldn't surprise me too much if he was listed and got re-rookied or something like that as an emergency for a year. I don't know. But I, I don't pretty know. pretty surprised a he played as
0: much, to be honest. Especially yeah. so early on. I thought he's going to be like Tom Logan last year in that He's going to be an emergency player. He's not going to get a game unless, like every other player, is injured, basically. But yep. you know, come round three, he's in the side, which was a, a bit of a shock. Um, and he pretty much stayed there for you know a, a fair chunk of the season, fourteen games. And um, I guess we haven't really heard much about what's happening with Paul next year. But uh, does he deserve to stay on the list for another season?
1: Nah, and I think this is another one of these good bloke ones where you sort of wonder how much did he get opportunities because he's a really good bloke and he was near a hundred games, you know. Um, mm. Don't know. Don't
0: know. What's his best role? Like if he is contracted again next year, what is his best role? And you know he's played just about every everywhere in his AFL career from um, you know third toll forward, third toll defender, key defender, flanker, midfield, wing. Um. Is that sort of key defensive spot that he filled this year his best position?
1: Yeah, defensive halfback. Because I wouldn't, I wouldn't even put him in defensive back pocket. Like I'd very specifically put him defensive halfback. Yeah, I think defensive half pocket, defensive back pocket, he'd have too much pressure on him.
0: Yeah, I like him when he's creating and running, running with the ball a bit from uh, from a back flank as opposed to sort of on the last line of defence. And he yeah. certainly got found okay. out at times this year when he was um, playing as a. Uh, a shutdown key defender. I think Jack Redpath had a big last quarter against him um, in uh, in round 12, I think it was, uh, against the Dogs. Yep. Uh, that was one of a couple of examples, I think. But, uh, yeah, certainly I like him uh, when he's creating as opposed to uh, stopping.
1: Yes, totally agree.
0: Mm. Mm. Right, well, that's it uh, for that uh, section We've got Whoa. a few questions. Um, first one is from Eddie Dingle. Good on you, Eddie. Okay. Um, oh, wow. Hartlett for Gibbs. Is that the fairest swapper players in history?
1: Uh, no, the fairest swapper players in history was Stuart Cochran for Michael Stevens. <laughs> um,
0: good call. That is a good call.
1: <laughs> but yeah. And probably
0: Downsborough for uh, Chalmers as well.
1: Oh, no, because Chalmers was all right. Was there, was no one got anything out of Downsborough.
0: Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, you're right. You are right. Yeah. Yeah, Brett was a gun. Yeah, yeah.
1: I, I think such no, a shame, I'm, Brett Chambers. I'm going to stick with Cochrane Stevens.
0: Yeah, no, that's a good call. That is a very good call. Mm. Uh, I pff, look Gibbs is a pretty good player, but he's also a dickhead. So I don't know if I would want to see him play for Port Adelaide. I guess um, if I was turned around on Matty White, then I can certainly be turned around on Bryce Gibbs as well. I guess. But...
1: Oh no, no. Nah. <laughs> No, I'm not in that. I'm not in that camp. And there's no, there's no possibility. I want to barrack for a team that's called Port Adelaide that has Bryce Gibbs in it. It's it's, not, it's not going to happen. I'll stop watching football until he's on. Oh,
0: <laughs> probably fair enough too. Uh, Papagallo has asked, uh, "You've been given carte blanche for a day at Alberton to do a left field experiment with a view to improving the team. What do you do?" Ah. Uh, I'm gonna say um, skills because uh, given how we play, I'd say that's a pretty left field experiment.
1: I want to know oh, what do I want to know. I don't. I don't have an answer for this. So I should have prepared. <laughs> um, I don't. I don't know. I. I don't know what I would want them to do. I mean, I guess it'd be nice to know who can kick. Yeah. Yeah, so what I want is I want all the players to line up from you know say sixty five meters out, and I want them to all kick a goal from inside fifty. But there is two blokes trying to ship and shoulder them. I want to know who can kick the goal. So <laughs> yep. that, that's that's mm-hmm. my experiment. One by one, they're all going to go there. It's going to we're going to fish out Michael Wilson and Tom Logan as the two defenders that they've got to get past to kick the goal. Oh, know who can do it and who can't. That's that's mine.
0: <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> I like that. Uh, Andre has said, uh, if either grand final side could have borrowed uh, any of these six players for the game, would they have? If so, who and who by?
1: Um, no, nah, none of them, not a single one, because they're all non-essential roles.
0: I reckon. Well, you gotta you gotta ask the question: Would the dogs have picked Lobie? Like, if, if that trade went through, like, reckon. is he their ruckman for the year? Like, I think it's a fair question. No, look, I mean, I, I, if... I, Does he get a game in front of someone like Roughhead, who's, no. uh, who's done an excellent job?
1: I would have kept, oh, well, I mean, if he'd been there at the start of the year, he might have been given first run because they say, well, you don't spend this much on a player to get him over unless you're going to play them as number one. So he might have played number one. and Ruffhead might have tailed off because he's thinking he's got no opportunities, in which yeah. case Lobby might have been the default Ruckman. But I think that if you're you know, choosing between Lobby at any time this year for Port Adelaide and Ruffhead in that grand final, I mean, you pick Ruffhead every time, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, well, look, if, if Lobby plays, that probably means Tom Boyd doesn't play and that means the dogs aren't premiers.
1: Yeah, maybe could be. But we you certainly, you couldn't put lobby in that forward position and expect to win. No.
0: Um,
1: so, yeah,
0: I would say Sydney would like Hamish Hartlett.
1: Nah, don't
0: need him. I reckon. I Ham is the play if we ever if he stays and if we ever get to the big dance. Hartlett's the sort of player that would win the Norm Smith.
1: Well, I think he is because for the same reason why Joe won the Norm Smith, which is that he's so low on the priority of actual players you would need to stop for us to be a premiership side that he would probably get a free run.
0: He <laughs> would have his career day. That he would get 35 touches and three goals or something. Yeah, that's, yeah that's possibly.
1: I mean, if, we, if we're winning the premiership, so not just making the grand final, but we know we're winning the premiership, then our team has to have a lot of better players than Hamish Hartlett, and in which case he'll be a low-priority person to stop. So, yes, he may well.
0: Last question is uh, also from Andre. Uh, using okay. an output to reputation ratio, rate the six from worst hair-pulling rage inducer to just frustrating at times.
1: Uh, I think Westhoff has the most ups and downs, so he's probably the most hair pulley. Okay. Just because he has he does have dramatic downs sometimes. Um, I'd probably have Cam O'Shea second... Um, because he does have pretty huge, huge stuff-ups. Um, then I guess we're going away from the players that have huge, obvious stuff-ups all the time into ones that have them very occasionally, but they're just not all that good. Um, and that's probably going to be Paul Stewart and Matthew Lobby in that category. Yep. Um, and uh, then we're down to, what, Hartlett and Mitchell. So Mitchell and Hartlett, uh, probably Hartlett a bit ahead of Mitchell. Um, okay. Yeah. So I'd say, yeah. Fair enough. So in Mine's summary, completely that's... different to that. Okay, what's yours? Uh,
0: my worst hair pulling rage inducer is most certainly Hamish Harlow.
1: Ah, uh, see, I, I... no, because the number of times he does something, you
0: go, that was stupid,
1: Hamish. Like that, that's, I don't recall a lot of those.
0: Sure, but using output to reputation.
1: Ah, oh, okay. Well, I didn't do that, did I? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't read the whole question. I uh, failed the test to go to the back of the class. Dunce hat. I didn't do that.
0: I would say Hartlett, number one. Loby number two. Westhoff, number three. Uh, and then it, would, um, then it would be a bit of a gap. And then I would say O'Shea, Mitchell, Stewart.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair enough.
0: Bevan has said O'Shea would go all right in the Sydney team. I would say it's probably O'Shea at his best, most certainly. He's a he's pretty much a Sydney-type player, I think.
1: No, um, yeah, but he wouldn't have been good in that grand final side. Like, they just didn't need him. Like, who would, he, who would you replace with O'Shea in that side? I don't know there'd be anyone I'd replace with O'Shea in that side. Hmm. You know?
0: Not sure. I mean, Callum Mills didn't really do much.
1: Yeah, but I'd rather have him than O'Shea in the side.
0: Hmm. You're probably right.
1: Yeah. I'm always right, Mecca.
0: You are always right, that's right. (laughs) Well, look, Dane (laughs) Rampy had a pretty good game. Jeremy Laidler, yeah, you're probably not. Yeah, you're probably not um, taking him out either. Nah. He's not going to take Heath Grundy's spot. I would say the only spot he would have taken would have been Callum Mills because they play pretty similar.
1: Well, I mean, Um, we're looking at, what was it, they were the... The first and second best defenses this year or something, wasn't it? These two? I
0: think so, is yeah. That, is
1: that right? So, yeah. you know, we're talking about taking a guy that can't make the the what, the tenth team? What did we finish in the end? About tenth something. Um yeah. that can't make that side playing for the top two defenses, like realistically that's not gonna happen. So mm. we don't have to we don't have to feel that we're being unfair. That's entirely reasonable.
0: Yeah. Mm. All right. Well, that's it for another evening. Yeah. Alrighty, that was Thanks fun. Thanks for all those that uh, that joined in and listened. And uh, thank you, Porsche, for coming back on again.
1: Yeah, and I'd like to apologise for those that found we tuned, we started a little bit late because I was watching the one clock, not set to daylight savings time. So, <laughs> <laughs> sorry.
0: Good on you. <laughs> there we go. And look, we will be back on uh, Wednesday night this week. We're going back to two a week for a little while. Yeah, Uh, where we have our first um, draft podcast where we will be discussing uh, the allies players. I think there's uh, something like 16 or 17 players that we're going to discuss um, from the allies team where they sort of fit in the draft. Can we get any of them? Would they fit uh, Port Adelaide? Um, So tune into that. That's going to be the first in our draft series and uh, yeah, tune in on Wednesday.
1: If if I would particularly um, recommend tuning in on Wednesday, if you want to shake your fist at the AFL, because we're going to be talking about a lot of players that we have no chance of getting due to academies.
0: Yes, that's very yes. true. That is very mm. true. Yes. we might snag one or two. You never know. But they've got. They some... can't get them all. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, CWS can cannot they, get them all.
1: They can get a lot of them, and if they trade for more picks, they can get them all.
0: But anyway. True. <laughs> you got me there. <laughs> Sorry. (laughs) All right. Well, okay. Too easy until next time.
1: Yeah. And, and, and Chris Davies and the list management team. So they don't have any horrible rumors by the time we do our next podcast. Go list management. Woo! Woo. Go footy ops. Yeah.
0: Wines. Gray. Fancy. Well done. Still gray. Hamble's good. West off. Could kick a goal from here. He does!
1: What a start!